dismantling systemic oppression, strengthening local economies, fostering equity and inclusion, cultivating communities for social good. We are motivated to leave the world a more just and compassionate place than we found it. A lofty goal? Maybe. An unreachable goal? Absolutely not. This is Impact Out Loud, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. Your hosts, Vicky Pazabon, Eileen Everett, and Ray Miller, aren't pulling any punches. They are diving deep, unpacking the challenges facing the nonprofit and social sectors, what is and isn't working, and offering systems-level solutions to address the truly transformational leadership that's needed for social enterprises to better their communities. This is the Impact Out Loud podcast. Now here are your hosts. Welcome back to Impact Out Loud. I'm Vicki Pazabon and joining me again, Ray and Eileen. And our next topic today, it ties back to what we talked about in our episode last week or two weeks ago, I guess, which was the value of place. And Ray took us through some urban planning, community development concepts and ideas, and we had a good discussion on that. So I hope you get a chance to tune into that. And today we're going to dig into the value of workplace and what has changed in the last three years because of the pandemic and where are we headed and what is the value of a workplace now as we're seeing more and more hybrid workplaces, more and more folks want to work from home and folks want to return to the office and what is the balance of all of that and some stupid articles that have come out (laughs) around (laughs) incentivizing people to come back to the office with dumb things like 10 o'clock beer and stupid things. Anyway, (laughs) we'll talk about that in a minute, but maybe that's my aha and WTF moment for today is incentivizing people to do things because you want them to do them. That's my WTF. Why do we need to do that? How about asking people what they want rather than trying to incentivize them because it's what you want them to do? Ray, what's your WTF aha moment today? Well, maybe it's not today, but just the theme and building off of what you were just talking about. And also I'm like, is this 10 a.m. beers or 10 p.m. beers? Like, I don't know about either of those times. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like seeing like, for example, again, if I look to the Bay Area, you know, San Francisco really shut down during the pandemic. And then we saw last year this like almost demand from these workplaces to be like, no, you're coming back. And some people had literally moved, right? Like some people totally left California and we're now getting these notices to come back to the office. And for me, there's definitely a WTF in there knowing what we know even of how much our environmental impact was lessened in 2020 without all these people commuting. And I guess one other thing I'll add in there that's kind of always bothered me beyond just pandemic times is just like this idea of commuting. Like, why are we trying to get everybody to the same place at literally the exact same time? And then we're like, (laughs) our systems can't handle it. It's like, well, does everyone have to go at (laughs) 9am? So anyway, those are some things I've been thinking about for a minute. Eileen, how about you? Oh, I'm trying to think about how to be succinct with this thought that's in my head, but I'm swirling around thinking about when I entered 
the workforce in a full-time way, in a professional way, was back in 2000. And I think back to then, and one of the threads that's been all the way through, even through the pandemic, for me has been, how do people not realize that when you can find people and tell them that they need to sit in a chair from nine to five, you actually get less productivity out of them? Mm -hmm. Like, duh. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a little bit more complicated than that because there are some jobs that people don't have the privilege to do that, right? If you're a cashier or work in the service industry or in retail or different places, you don't have that privilege to be able to do that. And there are a lot of jobs that you could. And I continuously am amazed at how people miss that point of when you can find people to sit in a chair or have a 10 o'clock beer, (laughs) you actually are going to get less out of them as a worker. Right. Like this isn't this isn't a new thing from the last three years. This is, I think, all the way back to when I had to sign in and out back mm-hmm. in 2000. And when they instated that system that if you even ran an errand, you had to fill in. I was like, OK, I was working 60, 70 hours a week and my productivity plummeted. I'm, you're going to mm-hmm. get less hours from me because you're putting me in a box right now. Right. And that's true for most people. It's a duh. Yeah. This yeah. isn't new information. Yeah. Definitely a duh. Well, I feel like I appreciate you bringing in the non-office worker as well as somebody who balanced between service industry and office jobs for a long time. I think that's not always considered. And it speaks to why I was always gravitating outside of office environments, because it drove me crazy. Like, it was almost impossible for me to sit in one place for 40 hours a week. Like, by month six, I could just feel like my soul dying which not literally, or maybe, but just a love that you brought in the non-office worker, because I think they are valuable to think about, especially as like the service worker has not been considered in the Mm -hmm. last few years. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do know a lot of our conversation will probably center around kind of the professional environment, just because those are the clients that we engage with and the work that we're doing most often, most Mm -hmm. often. Yeah, I'm I'm smiling right now because I'm thinking about for all of you who have shared an office with me over the years, you you know my reputation of I can't sit in a chair for eight hours a day. So it's like, oh, where did Eileen go? Oh, she's on another walk, you know, and it's like it's a necessity. And why don't we normalize that? It's true for adults. It's true for kids that if you make people be still for so many hours, they're not productive. It's not healthy. It's not good for our physical health or mental health or social health. Yep. Well, I have a lot of thoughts swirling in my head now because I want to talk about the last three years and what we did normalize for a while and how we've kind of reverted in some ways. But we need to talk about this 10 a.m. beer thing because (laughs) it came up. It was an article recently. I think it was in the New York Times about, um, I'm going to say it was a tech bro who was trying to bring back his workforce into the office and trying to incentivize them to come back to the office. And he's like, we'll have 10 a.m. beers and we'll have ping pong tournaments and we're going to have all this fun stuff going on so that people wanted to come back to the office. So I had a huge reaction to this article because back in 1999, I had a short stint and a momentary lapse of reason. And I worked at a dot-com and this was in the early dot-com era. And we were an online 
bookstore and adventure uh, travel accessory store. And when we were purchased by venture capitalists and a large tech company, this culture was imposed on us of we had to... (laughs) We all had to cram into the conference room to listen to what we called the voice on the speakerphone who was coming out of HQ somewhere. I think they were based out of Washington, D.C. at the time and had to listen to this corporate voice give us a pep talk every month, every every weekday morning. And it was short. It was only like 10 or 15 minutes long, but it was this weird pep talk. And we were all crammed into this conference space. And the manager of our local office started these ping pong tournaments and started creating these brackets. And I remember seeing my name on the bracket and I thought, I don't play ping pong. I don't want to play ping pong. I'm not interested in playing a tournament. There's nothing about this that appeals to me. What did appeal to me about that office culture was that one, we were allowed to have dogs in the office. So I took my brand new puppy, Sadie, with me everywhere I went in that office. And it was amazing because I got to raise her as a puppy in an office environment where she was around other people and other dogs. It was great. And they actually, because they were an outdoor adventure bookstore, online bookstore and, and accessories, they encouraged us to get outside as much as possible. So we could take long breaks. I could you know, go for a hike and come back and work an extra two hours. They didn't care in that way as long as you were doing your work. They didn't care what hours you did your work in as long as it got done because they were an online bookstore. And so I loved that part of it. And that is something that has stuck with me. Dogs in the office and (laughs) an environment that allows you to have flexibility to get outside and do what you want to be doing. So there's that. But there was a culture forced upon us that didn't feel right. And it was mandated. And that's not okay. And so that's why I had this guttural reaction recently to this article about this company that was trying to incentivize people to come back with these 10 o'clock beers. And I think you said the key word there, which is flexibility, right? Right. Right. Because I kind of love ping pong. I'm going to be honest. I love ping pong. I would love to play ping pong. So having ping pong tables, check that box. Good, right? Forced ping pong tournament, not good. Right. Right. It's that flexibility, providing things that people want, but not forcing them to participate in something that they might not be their jam. Right. Exactly. And I feel like your sharing brings up two things for me. One is that our work can't solve all all of our needs. And I think, again, there's a multiple truths there. I feel like we can look to tech to raising the bar of what benefits can look like. I think benefits were kind of bottom level before tech sector really created a higher demand of getting different types of health and wellness paid for, childcare taken care of, that those flexible work hours, things like that, I think are amazing. Also, though, they created this expectation of like, we have everything that you need and you never have to leave. And so there's this kind of eerie component as well of like, wait, I don't want to live at my job and I have a whole life outside of my job. And then the other thing that came to me while you were talking and something we've talked about before is 
thinking about a workplace is actually an opportunity to think about how to serve your mission better. So something like an outdoor company incentivizing you going out into the outdoors is both great for you and will make you that much more in touch with the thing that you're working on. And I think this is a thing that's come up with us recently in thinking about the nonprofit sector, where nonprofits often exist outside of the communities that they're working with. And even if they do have employees and staff that represent that community, it still is often like a box that's over there and it's not actually engaging. And that's, again, not everybody. I'm making some generalizations here. But just want to bring in, I think that's like a massive opportunity that's not always focused on is this shift right now is an opportunity to really think about like, what does it look like to show up every day? And can we do that in a way that serves our mission better? Yeah, absolutely. So you got me thinking about values. And as a workplace, are we aligning our values with our workplace? Is the is the business, the corporation, the nonprofit, whatever it is, the small business, the social enterprise, is it aligning its values with its workplace? Right. So let's go back to the my 1999 example of a workplace that didn't outwardly say we value you and your flexibility and your desire to be outside. We are saying because we are an outdoor adventure gear and bookstore, you should go outside, right? So there wasn't a value there. And what's important, I think, now and what we talk about with our clients and our work is about aligning your values with your mission to do social impact. And when you do that, you will attract the workers that want to be there. You will attract people into the workplace and you will create a workplace that values people. Am I right? Am I onto something here? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. But like, it, this is the thing that that it has driven me nuts over the last three years is we, we started to normalize the idea that you could work from home. You could go take a walk around the block and get fresh air. You could get a load of laundry done. You could make your own lunch at home and go back to work. We were more productive because we had more time in our day because we weren't sitting in a commute for two or three hours a day. And we normalized it. We normalized it in a moment in time. And now folks are saying, we got to go back to what was before the pandemic. We've got to go back into the office. I have to go sit in my car. We're not normalizing it as a way of moving forward. And that's what's driving me nuts right now. I wonder too about motivations, how motivations play into all of this. And I, I think about it, I, we, it, that I, we, it transformational leadership framework, but even how some workplaces, I mean, I think about Prospera Partners, we have flexibility in our schedules, we check in with one another, if we have to shift things, we do that. But when we have things scheduled, we we show up and we're ready to work. It's the both and there. And there's a motivation because we do talk a lot about our values and how do we live those as a company mm-hmm. and as colleagues for one another. Like that is part of the ethos and part of our conversations on the daily or weekly. Um, so there's the motivation comes from that I, we, it, like the stronger we are 
in each taking care of ourselves as individuals, the stronger we are as a collective and that we can work together. And I think a lot of what I've heard in terms of what uh, what I will say I perceive to be motivations, because I don't really know what people's motivations are because I haven't had their you know, these conversations with them. But a lot of the places that I see that are calling people back into the office spaces, who are the people calling for that? Mm-hmm. It's not lower level. It's right. not more junior employees. It tends to be people in executive positions, those with more power. And I question is the motivation there around control and ensuring that your workers are, you know, quote unquote, being productive because you have eyes on them and that you have access to them um, more than you would if they were working from home. So I do think motivation is a big question. And I think that links directly to what you were saying too, Vicki, around values of how does this align or not align with your values? And are you even talking about that? Mm -hmm. And how many of those executives and leadership are back in the office, right? Right. I think of like, they're the ones who are probably not going back to the office, but like, but you, but you should do it. And I just wanted to link it back to our last conversation too, of thinking about urbanism and development and decision-making things like we're seeing, like I brought up the Bay Area It's because the city doubled down on investment in these tech companies. And then when they weren't there anymore, there was this huge hole. And they're like, wait, like we catered everything to you all being in downtown. Now you're not like we need you to come back. And the people are like, that's not what we asked for. But they're going off of, again, that like profit maximization, value maximization and not actually that human scale need that is present. Yeah, we touched on this in our last podcast about, um, you know, cities that recruited companies to come there for a specific reason and how many cities recruited companies to move to their downtown areas to help revitalize those downtown areas, thinking that that was an economic development strategy. Well, most of those folks, when they're finished at five or six o'clock at night, they may stay for a a drink or a meal, but they're not shopping in the downtown community. They're leaving. And when shit hit the fan, they were the first to bounce. It's like a reverse (laughs) commute, of course. So it's a reverse commute thing and it makes no sense. And I think a lot of mid-side cities have tried that approach and have seen that that's not working. So lots to think about. Um, One of the things that keeps coming up um, around some of our client conversations, too, is a tension between um, workforce wanting and desiring to be in the office for social gatherings and wanting that social connection because they feel like they're just too isolated being in their homes. And I understand that um, most of us, certainly the three of us, have worked from home for a long, long time. Um, I've had an office over the years, but generally I've always had a home office. But I understand that there are some folks who do feel the need for social connection and they want that through their office place and they want to have that connection with their coworkers. And how can a work f- workplace employer create that atmosphere during work hours so that they're not being called to go do a a bowling social event or something else after hours and using up personal time, right? So it's an interesting tension 
that's happening right now of folks trying to figure out how do we get together socially safely because some of us still believe in a pandemic and want to be safe and some of us still want some sort of social connection. And I feel like what you're talking about brings up two things for me as well. A, if our communities were set up to be more human-centered, would we always feel like our workplace has to solve that social need? Are there other opportunities to cultivate those types of spaces outside of work? And I do think there's a value to social connection in the workplace. And I'll take it back to what I was saying before. Is there also opportunity in that in that community development piece or serving your mission? Again, nonprofits, nonprofit employees often are like siloed and isolated and not mm -hmm. connecting. Can that be an opportunity to connect across organizations or do something that's related to your mission or just have some sort of community engagement experience? And to your point, that's in hours, right? Nobody wants to show up on Saturday morning after a 40 hour work week. It might be fun. People will be nice about it, <laughs> but it might be fun, but probably not. <laughs> we should probably try to do it during paid hours or pay them for that extra time. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that taking one day a year, I'm just going to use that as an example, just even one day, or even if it was one hour a month, is probably not going to affect your bottom line. And if it does, your business is probably really in trouble. I I think about how, you know, we, we just had a, we had a secret Prospera Partners <laughs> retreat oh, we did. recently. Super we did. Secret. You're letting we the cat out of the bag anyone. now. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> but it was a day for us to connect. And we talked about work in some pieces, but it really was, I think, that opportunity for connection of really, again, I think Vicky leading the way of how do we really live our values? Right. And take this time to be together and focus on some work pieces and just connecting and seeing each other again. And I don't understand why more places don't do that, even just one day a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you need some facilitators for your retreat, give us a call because we love that. <laughs> we, we love to plan fun things. <laughs> yes, we do love to plan fun things. And it is possible, right? It doesn't have to be all business all the time. And you can create connection in ways that make sense in those kinds of opportunities. I want to name two for nonprofit organizations as well. I think about when I was an executive director, I tried board retreats in all different ways. And by design, I switched to a model for board retreats that at least 50% of the time, and I always aim for actually more than 50% of the time, was social time, that we went on walks together, shared meals, did other things. Those retreats where you took away half the, you know, quote unquote work time were more productive than the ones that we just filled with getting tasks done. Of course. Of course. And I was just going to bring it back to a what Eileen said last time of like, don't we need more spaces to have these conversations? And again, what Vicky just said is, I think that's why we're all invested in this type of work, because we want to help businesses and organizations create these spaces I think we're always on that too of people really think of it as a heavy lift, but we know that it doesn't have to be. And the outcomes result in that easing as well that helps the work function better because you have cultivated those relationships 
and had those difficult conversations and aired things out and built trust with one another so you can actually move forward together as a collective. And it's not just physical space, right? It's also the culture that you're creating together. Well, I know we're getting close to our time again. So I wonder if this is a moment for maybe some Hmm. closing thoughts around how we think about what our workplaces can be and how valuable that is to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea of flexibility and staying open to and asking for what you need and asking what others really, truly desire. It's a two-way street. So that's my thought for the day. I'd love to see what co-working spaces could look like without the hyper business techie lens, right? I think we've seen the very rigid professional environment co-working space. Like I'd love to see kind of what Eileen was touching on. Can it be green space where there's some shelter and Wi-Fi and water or like whatever that gets people, you know, a lot of us, I think we'll keep working from home and I'm not necessarily attracted to existing co-working spaces. So what might it look like to have more human or public centered spaces where we could feel comfortable working? And maybe it's not just camping at a coffee shop for five hours because I also will feel guilty if I do that all the time. (laughs) And just to round it out, I think I want to offer kind of a light lift for folks to consider, which is the idea of how do we just embed regular connection or check-ins with one another? I'll use us as an example of before we record the podcast, we actually by design normally log in and we do a check-in with one another. How's everybody doing so that we are connected? And then we talk about, well, what's the content that we want to cover in the podcast today? I mean, often we'll do a debrief and having those little pieces of time that we know that are dedicated to just, how are you as a human? What's Mm -hmm. going on? So that it's not then taking up all the space. Again, it's that both and of moving back and forth of how do we get tasks done and get business done and also have that social connection with one another too. And just having even 15 minutes of this is our check-in. How are we as humans today? Mm -hmm. Can be transformative. I love that. We'll use that as our next check-in question. How are you as a human today? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you both so much. I love these two topics of the value of place that we talked about last time and the value of the workplace. So thank you both. And we'll see you next time on Impact Out Loud. Thank you for listening to the Impact Out Loud podcast, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. If you liked what you heard, Subscribe to Impact Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and follow Prospera Partners on your favorite social media. If you are inspired to make community-based solutions and systems change, Prospera Partners offers workshops and programs that are open to all. For more information, visit prosperapartners.org. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well and do good.